Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyo, your host. And also a blessed New Year to you, a blessed civil calendar New Year, that is. The liturgical New Year in the Byzantine Rite begins in September, but we are, of course, into the new civil New Year. So a blessed New Year to all of you. And of course, many of us are awaiting in just a few days, which will be the Feast of Epiphany in the Eastern Churches. We also call it Theophany. But basically, from East or West, the same basic thing is happening. It's a manifestations are showing forth. And we're waiting for that not only because of the gloriousness of that feast, but also because, as many of you know, this is when the Congress will review the official vote to the Electoral College to decide whether, in fact, President Trump did win the election or he did not. And it's interesting that that's happening on this feast of the Epiphany, or the showing forth, the manifestation, because a big theme of that which started during Christmas, is a theme of light, revelation, illumination. These are some of the themes, both East and West, that are carried in this great feast of the Epiphany. In the Western churches, the Epiphany is the visit of the Magi, the three kings or the astrologers, whatever you want to call them. It is a showing forth to them of the newborn Christ child, and they represent the pagan world, the non-Jewish world, the Gentiles which the scripture is trying to then symbolically say that Christ came for all, starting with the Jewish people, yes. See, they are represented by the shepherds in the whole nativity scene. But the Magi were not Jewish people. They worshiped stars and did all kinds of like magical things. They kind of like in a sense were good guys and not so good guys all at the same time because they're into some of this magical arts and sorcery and that kind of thing. So, they're referred to as kings, magi, wise men, astrologers, sorcerers, whatever. They're kind of a blend. But they represent that part of the world which was non-Jewish. So Christ came for all. That's why they're in this whole scene. 
in the Eastern churches, especially my particular church, the Byzantine church, we have a most magnificent feast day of this epiphany, which we call Theophany. And the Theophany feast day is actually, well, I'll put it in these terms. It's the holiest feast day, the holiest day of the year, other than Easter, Pascha, and Good Friday. Yeah, it is. Because for us, it's not the celebration of the three kings, although the theme is the same, a showing forth. That's the important thing. This is what's interesting about the two lungs of the church. As I always say, we arrive at the same point, basically, the same basic point, but from different emphasis, from different perspectives. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of complementary the church, breathing with both lungs, east and west. So as the west is arriving at this idea, this, this reality of manifestation, of a showing forth, this in this case, and to the Magi, the Eastern churches are arriving at a showing forth of the Trinity of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because on January 6th, for us, the epiphany is the baptism of Jesus Christ. The emphasis of the three kings already happened on December 25th. See, in the Eastern liturgical calendar, on Christmas Eve, we read the reading of the actual nativity. On Christmas Day, we're already reading about the visit of the Magi, the three kings, the astrologers. So we're sort of moving things along quite a bit. So we jump now on January 6th to the baptism of Jesus. But there was a consistent thread through all this, through this whole season, going all the way into the beginning of February. That's right. Imagine from December to February, it's one unfolding of revelation, illumination, unfolding and the revelation of God's humiliating himself, his humbling himself, his great condescension, as we say in the Eastern churches. He's born in a cave in Bethlehem, the most humble of origins, laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough. His own blessed mother didn't even have a place to lay her head, did not even room at the inn. Imagine this holy family, She's carrying the Messiah, carrying he who cannot be contained, and he's being contained within the womb of a virgin, and she has no place to go. So he's born in a cave, according to the tradition of the church. The scriptures don't actually say cave. They mention manger, not cave. But cave is significant, because cave represents like a hole in the earth, a dark place, which is both a safe place, but also a dangerous place. So God starts this process of lowering, lowering and thereby revealing, revealing his love, his humility. He lowers himself to go into a cave to be born. And then his baptism, at his baptism, he's going to lower himself again. It's almost like that song, you know, the limbo rock, how low can you go? It's almost like our Lord was scratching his divine head and saying, okay, how low can I go for these human beings? How much can I self-abase myself? How can I self-empty? He goes to be baptized in the Jordan River, but the Jordan River, where it happened, down by the Dead Sea, is the lowest point on the earth's surface. So not only does he descend, does he lower himself again into the waters of the Jordan to be baptized as sinners require. He didn't require that. He did it for us. But he chooses the lowest point on the earth's surface just to emphasize the lowering, the lowering. It can't go deep enough. And then he will later on come to the ultimate lowering at 
his death and burial, where he actually will descend into the bowels of Hades and do battle with the devil, break the bonds of Hades, and raise up Adam and Eve and all those righteous with him, and by extension, all of us. So he'll continue to go lower and lower and lower. By the way, I did miss one. In the icon of the nativity, we see usually in the lower right-hand corner, a couple of nursemaids preparing bathwater for the little baby Jesus. You see him naked there. He's about to be put into the bathwater. So he's going to be lowered into water, which anticipates his baptism in the Jordan when he's lowered into the Jordan, and also anticipates our baptism of being lowered into the baptismal waters to share in Christ's lowering, but also his rising. Every time there was a lowering, there was also at the same time a rising, a rising up out of. He emerges from the cave. He emerges from the bath waters. He emerges from the waters of the baptism, and he will emerge, the ultimate emergence from Hades and from the tomb and his resurrection. See how it's all one continuous action of descending, 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 and then rocketing up out of all that, ascending, but taking us with him. It's just incredible. You know, whenever I celebrate or even talk about this feast day, the Epiphany, the Theophany, as I'm doing now, I hardly know where to begin in looking at the liturgical celebration of this because it is so vast and so rich. One of the things we do in the Eastern churches on the eve of Epiphany of January 6th, the Theophany, is we celebrate the great consecration of water, not just blessing of water, but consecration of water. Very elaborate ceremony with very long and beautiful cosmic prayers, very, very environmental prayers, because it talks about God infusing himself in his own creation and how the waters will host the very presence of God in them. And what the priest does is he does several things over the waters. He breathes over the waters, symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming upon the waters. Now, these are waters that are in the church and the special vessels of holy water. There are large vessels, and they're in the middle of the church, decorated, and the priest stands there after the vespers and liturgy and does the great consecration of water. So in that process, what he does is he breathes over the water, saying specific prayers. Then he'll do the sign of the cross in the water with his hand. He'll immerse his hand into the water like the Holy Spirit plunging into that water and sanctifying the waters. And then lastly, he will take a cross, and with both hands, he will plunge that cross into those waters and make the sign of the cross into those waters, again, as he's pronouncing the special prayers of blessing. And this all comes amidst these very long and elaborate prayers in which the repeated word is the word today. Today, the world is illuminated. Today, the Holy Spirit comes into the waters. Today, Christ is immersed in the waters of Jordan. And the reason why we say today is very significant in these prayers, because whatever happened to Christ, which eventually happens to us, is actually something that is timeless. And we enter into that one event once and for all, but we entered into it time again. The event itself doesn't occur again and again. We enter into it again and again. You may understand this when you receive Holy Communion, the Eucharist. Eucharist is, of course, Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. That's what occurs in in the liturgy, in the Mass. But we don't re-sacrifice and we don't sacrifice. We don't, as some non-Catholics will sometimes say, being critical of us, you kill Jesus every time. We don't do that. 
It's the one sacrifice, once and for all, sacrifice, death, and resurrection in which we enter into and participate in time and again. But it's that one ongoing event. Same thing with Christ's baptism. His baptism becomes our baptism. We immerse ourselves into his baptism. And those waters that are sanctified, consecrated, actually become the same mystically. They become the same Jordan water there in the Middle East that Christ himself immersed into at his own baptism. And at that moment, the Trinity was revealed. His Father's voice booms out from heaven. This is my beloved Son, whom I will please listen to him. And the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. This is one of the many reasons why this is such an elaborate, rich feast day for us in Eastern churches, because it is the revelation of the Trinity. We come back and talk more about this most magnificent time of illumination, of revelation. I'm Father Thomas Leo on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Why do people call St. Nicholas Santa Claus anyway? Well, the people of Holland have always had a special fondness for St. Nicholas or Santa Claus as they call me. In fact, to this very day, I still arrive to deliver gifts on St. Nicholas Eve, that's December 5th, dressed as a Roman Rite Bishop and riding my white horse, Amerigo. Anyway, in the 16th century, when Dutch settlers came to the New World, they brought their Sinterklaas tradition with them to a place called New Amsterdam. That's modern New York City. And so, when the English-speaking settlers arrived, they began to mispronounce my Dutch name of Sinterklaas, which means, of course, St. Nicholas, and they began to call me Santa Claus. So Santa Claus really means St. Nicholas. But no matter what I'm called by name, my spirit is still the same. I'm filled with the joy that flows from the Christmas proclamation, Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> you're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loyan on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. As we begin this new year, again, I offer you greetings and prayers that this will be a most blessed new year, this year 2020. It was a doozy, wasn't it? <laughs> but you know what? Interesting. All this happened in the year 2020, as in perfect vision. I believe that 2020 was, its, in its own way, a year of revelation, as we're celebrating now the Epiphany, the Theophany, which is all about revelation and illumination. I believe that God was revealing many things, especially through this coronavirus. It was like a great light that He shone upon the earth and has revealed everything, all of us individually, globally, what governments are up to, bad guys, good guys, what the media is up to, what this person's up to, that organization. Are they playing it straight? Are they playing it dark? Are they children of darkness or of light? And it has revealed where we're at, too, in terms of our own faith. So this whole year has been a year of 2020 vision. We see everything much more clearly. 
least I think we do, and I assume you do. But as we begin this new year now, with that sight, with that insight, we begin it providentially with this Feast of Illumination. And that's a big word in this feast day, illumination. God illuminates the world by the revelation of his Son and of and his self as a Trinity, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. At least this is the emphasis of the Eastern Church's celebration of Epiphany. It's the revelation of the Trinity. And there's interesting correlations between Christmas, the Nativity of Christ, and the actual baptism of Christ. Very similar kinds of things. It's this unfolding of this humiliation of God and also the revelation of God. Revelation of his himself being God, but taking on our nature. Revelation of his great love and the extent he would go to out of that love by lowering himself into the cave, the waters of his bath, and the waters of baptism. In some of the liturgical texts, we sing this, Desiring to fulfill all that was ordained for you from eternity, O Lord, you receive ministers from all creation of this mystery of yours, Gabriel from among the angels, the virgin from among the human race, and the star from among the heavens, and Jordan from among the waters. And in it you have cleansed the sins of the world, O our Savior, glory to you. You see the connection with Christmas? Angels, the Virgin Mary, what the earth, what the side of eternity has offered to God in exchange for his goodness. We offer a cave, we offer a virgin, heaven offers an angel. It also says this, today, and there's that word today again I mentioned earlier, today all creation is enlightened. All creation, that's very important. And you see in the nativity icon that the cave, especially the edges of it that surround Christ, and he's set against the darkness of the interior of the cave, they're all lit up like highlights, like those around Christ are being touched by the light that emanates from him, including the cave, not only the people, but the cave, nature, all creation is enlightened. Today, all nature rejoices, those in heaven and those upon the earth, angels and people joined together in the presence of the king and his army. Let us listen to the Jordan. Let us witness to John as he baptizes a sinless and uncreated head. Let us sing out in one voice, echoing that of the apostle. The grace of God, which brings salvation to all, has come forth, enlightening the faithful and granting them great mercy. St. John Chrysostom, the great Byzantine saint, said that of the nativity and by extension the theophany, the baptism, that heaven and earth commingle. For the first time, angels speak with human beings, and human beings speak with angels. There's this great union now of nature with God, God infusing himself into nature. It happened first at his conception, the womb of the Virgin Mary on the Annunciation, then as he's born, and then as he's baptized. See, it's this continuing immersion of God into his own creation, thereby sanctifying it. So you don't have to be an environmentalist, a trendy environmentalist, to see the environment, the world, earth, creation as sacred and to respond to it as such. We don't worship it, but it is sacred because God has infused himself in it by means of his incarnation, his birth, and now his descent into the waters. As Christ is into the water, he makes all waters holy. As I mentioned, through the great consecration of water that we do on Theophany, the water that is in the church now becomes that same Jordan water. And what we do is we use it, we sprinkle the church, we bless things with it. We even go outside and we bless waters that are outdoors. Yes, see, all waters become unified and sanctified 
in this moment of this feast day because Christ, God himself, has touched water. And by touching the Jordan water, all water becomes sanctified. Now, you also have in the liturgical text something like a conversation that happens between John and Christ. O Master, when John the Forerunner saw you coming to him, he was amazed. As a faithful servant, he cried out with fear, O Savior, with what humility and lowliness have you clothed yourself? Since you are compassionate, you have clothed yourself in our flesh, and by the richness of your kindness, you have raised us up, and we are reconciled. Come to me, for on this day I fulfill the mystery of salvation, said the Savior of the universe of the forerunner. Serve with fear and do not be terrified, because I am renewing Adam, who was crushed by sin, though I am undefiled by nature. I am baptized in the waters of the Jordan." In response, John said, What creature can see the sun being cleansed? Or who can see strip the one who closed the heavens with the clouds? Who can see the creator of springs and rivers coming into the waters? O Master, I marvel at your ineffable providence. Do not burden your servant with such awesome commands. See, what's happening here, and this is what happens in the liturgical prayer of the, of the Eastern churches, we kind of create almost like a drama a prose, a drama, a dialogue based on what happened in the scripture where John says to Christ as he approaches, I should be baptized by you. But then Jesus says, no, you must do this to fulfill God's plan. So Christ becomes baptized at John's amazement because we needed to be baptized. And our baptism really would be worthless unless it was a sharing in Christ's baptism. That's what makes our baptism efficacious at our baptism, we enter into the life of the Trinity, the life of Christ. We enter into Christ's own baptism. That's why Christ insisted to John, you must let me do this. So John says again, what creature can see the sun being cleansed? Oh, master, do not burden your servant with such awesome commands. See, John just can't get over this. But Christ tells him, relax, just do it because it will be the fulfillment of my plan to save mankind. In this great moment, we say in the liturgical text that Christmas was a great moment, but theophany even greater. That's right. Now, in the early centuries, these two feasts were basically celebrated together. And you can see why. It makes sense, because it's one continuous thread of manifestation of and condescension. In other words, it's a continuous process of Christ descending, condescending, lowering himself, and also at the same time revealing and ascending and bringing us with him. As he is revealed in the flesh at his nativity, we're seeing that it is God who's revealing himself also as human, becoming human in every way except sin while remaining God. Now we start to see the revelation of who he is as God and Christ man and what his destiny, his mission is. It's not just to be born. I mean, that would be wonderful itself. God has visited humanity, as St. John Chrysostom said. Heaven and earth commingle. That's, that's wonderful in itself. It's incredible. But it's not just about that. We don't stop there. We look at, well, why did he do this? Where is this going? Okay, he's a baby. Now what? Will he become a man? Then what? Yes, he becomes a man and enters into the waters of the Jordan. 
to be baptized so that we can be baptized. And it's not only the second person the Trinity revealed, like at his nativity, it's now the whole Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit revealed. And so we have now this even more resplendent feast of the baptism of Christ. Which again, we also use the word epiphany because it's epiphanic. Epiphanic means to show forth. Fascinating how the East and West arrive at that same thread, that same principle of God revealing himself, unfolding himself to us, to the world. But we do it by means of different complementary emphasis. As we contemplate this mystery of Christ's baptism, it's a call for us to renew our own baptism, to renew our own look at creation, to be people of illumination, of light, especially now as we await the great verdict in a couple of days, ironically or providentially, on the feast of manifestation of Epiphany, of who will actually be president now in the United States and what that will mean for us. It's going to require us to put our faith in the one great God. No matter who ends up being president, no matter what happens, we have to look at these times, and they are in many ways dark times, from the coronavirus to what's happening politically and globally to what's happening in the church. Lots of confusion, lots of reason to seemingly lose hope, but all this is happening, coming to a high point amidst the feast of illumination and incarnation of revelation, of light. And that is what we must cling to. Live this mystery of Christ's birth, epiphany, and baptism. We've got to be children of light, as Jesus was the light in the darkness. Thanks for listening, and again, a blessed new year to you. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. News from around the world as it happens. Religious liberty, immigration, prayer, plus daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. Get the Catholic News perspective on the things that impact your life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!